You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 233 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast, coming to you on September 29th. How you doing this week, Raj? I am really hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Hence why we started so quickly. (laughs) All right. So uh, comics and uh, see you all next week. Bye. (laughs) I'll be all right. (laughs) No chit chatter after though. I'm hungry. Fair enough. It's not like, you know, we don't spend enough time talking to each other. Seriously. Mr. Doom. <laughs> You're going to have to work towards your doctorate if you want to be called Dr. Doom. <laughs> it's like there's some places I can mail off to. Yeah, probably. Get an honorary doctorate from someone. <laughs> All right. Well, for a while now, I've been wanting to kind of look back at another webcomic, and I've been trying to figure out, you know, which one I want to talk about. And the other day, I was just kind of randomly like just looking around and I came across one that I instantly knew we had to discuss called the abominable oh, jeez I knew I was going to screw that up and I did I psyched myself out <laughs> the abominable charles christopher can be found at abominable.cc it started up back in june of 2007 written and drawn by carl kershall who we know today best as the artist on gotham academy I read through all seven years of this comic in like two hours. About the same. I, not consistent. Like I, I took breaks here and there, but I, it didn't take long. I just ripped through all of it. Of course, I was pretty pissed off at the end. <laughs> I, my notes aren't even very good because I didn't want to tab over to my notes. I didn't want to stop reading for 20 seconds to type something really quickly. I was thoroughly engrossed in this comic it was fantastic along those same lines typically as has become obvious whenever if anybody follows me on twitter if i'm reading something that's interesting often i'll take a snapshot put it into twitter just to get people interested or talking about it as well or just to say hey this is freaking awesome and there were many times when i wanted to do that with this but i didn't want to take the time and so i just kept reading and i think there was one that i put out i put on twitter um, yeah, the the, the barred one. one. Yeah, because <laughs> I had to for that. <laughs> but there was a bunch of them that I was like, oh, I would love to put this on Twitter just to show folks. But it's like, no, 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 no. What's next? What's what's going on? Mm-hmm. And actually, this comic is so good. I mean, we're not alone in this. It won the Eisner for best digital comic back in 2011. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, black and white. But my God, it. I can't even imagine what this would look like in color. Like I actually went over to the shop to see how expensive the books were and had some of the prints in color. And man, this guy's good. Like we've known it from Gotham Academy, but the amount of expression he gets in his characters, because Charles is mute. He does not speak throughout the story. All the other characters talk to him, but Charles and his emotions and his character is determined 100% by his facial expressions and not just him, but every woodland critter he comes across wonderfully expressive. It's, I dare you to pick one panel out of this. that's your favorite. See, that's the thing that's important to note here too when you're talking about how talented he is as an artist because often when you're seeing this type of strip, 
the animals are anthropomorphized. See, that's the word for me that always kills me. <laughs> I think I got it close enough that we can just keep going. But And you get the human features that are overlaid on top of the animal face to a certain degree, enough so that you can convey that emotion. And I didn't see that in here. It's the animals still. At no point are you going, wow, did they ever change the face? Like a little here and there, but for the most part, you're seeing the animal and you're just seeing these these expressions on their faces as they're getting into all manner of trouble. But <laughs> it really works so beautifully and it doesn't come off as cartoonish between air quotes here. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just so beautifully drawn. Mm. Yeah, so Charles, the comic starts off with, of course, a bunch of humor. Like, it, in a lot of ways, it reads kind of like an old newspaper strip with like the the pacing and the the way the jokes hit. But at the same time, it also tells a really deep, really emotional story of you know this Sasquatch that he just shows so much compassion for all of the other creatures around him. You know, rescuing them from hunters, protecting them from from harm, and he immediately gets wrapped up in some larger goings on of climbing this mountain and meeting this great lion spirit that sends him off to the human town. And like ah, that little fox. Oh, dude. He meets the this little fox early on in the story. And Townsend. I, I think his name is Townsend. Townsend, yes. And you immediately become attached to him because he basically becomes Charles's voice because Charles doesn't have one. And, and he's a great, fun little character and he becomes split from Charles. Bad things happen. He meets the rest of the family. Bad things happen. Like, oh, this, when, I was crushed by this little Arctic fox. The, one of the best things that I read about this strip was actually not even having to do like it wasn't even written in the strip. It was a comment and it was, these are, they're Arctic foxes and there's three brothers and well, there's the one Townsend and then he's got three brothers mm-hmm. and there's the one scene where Charles is in the water and I can't remember who he's in the water with. I think it's the, uh, the ducklings that are cleaning him off. Mm-hmm. And then you see the pelts from the trap because there's all these traps all the time that he's bashing because he hates the human traps. And so he, uh, you see the, the, the pelts and then you see the knife stuck in the, in the log and the first comment from someone under there was saying, I'm beginning to think you're not a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I agree. <laughs> But it just goes to show how great of a job he does. We became so attached to these characters in a handful of strips. Like, yeah, Townsend, he was really important. But honestly, he wasn't in that many actual strips. But he's well written. Yes. It's, it's, it's He's so bloody well written. And he's got all of these mannerisms that you would associate with that age group because he's a young fox. Having raised four kids, I can tell you, yes, that's what it is. And so he's he's curious, he's he's easily scared, he he just wants to tag along and have fun, and he's got a good heart. And so when he dies, it is crushing. And then you realize as the story progresses that not only is no one safe, but it's 
presented in a way that's actually realistic. These things are happening, not to the degree of the, the, the king and things like that, although back in the day, to a certain degree, yes, the, 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 the tyrannical way in which the humans treat the animals in the surrounding forests. But like, it's just the, the honesty of the approach is what really got me attached to it because I knew that at any moment something could happen to one of these characters that I really care about a lot. Mm-hmm. It's nobody is safe. Yeah. It's a Game of Thrones <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Seriously, yes, that's a perfect analogy. <laughs> Uh, so eventually Charles gets to the human city and the king Gilgamesh comes out to hunt the great monster and we get a great series of, of fight scenes with these two of you know, Charles not necessarily fighting but defending himself at the very least and Gilgamesh finding him to be a worthy foe but as we know uh, Charles has been tasked by the mountain spirit to bring back Gilgamesh and then you have that partnership between the two of them where Charles kind of starts to like the guy, but still knows that, you know, he's, he's, he's a human. He's one of the hunters, you know, he's not, not to be trusted. He's to be feared. He's to be brought back to the mountain and let the spirit do what he will with them. And seeing that emotional and moral turmoil, again, through a mute character worked amazingly well. What was really well done with the strip as well is that, in between these moments that are incredibly heart-wrenching, mm-hmm. some of them, you have the silliness oh, yes. going on of the variety of things. There's there's actual story arcs because actually the, the one with Charles is not the only story arc that's, that's mm-hmm. heart-wrenching either. There's the bears as well with the circus. Oh, but goodness. then you get the silliness of the acting troupe. <laughs> and then you recognize the shows that they're doing, which makes it so goddamn cool. But then you get the one-off strips. Like you get the one where the 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 the, the Beatles or whatever they are, are giving the tick a hard time <laughs> and finally shove him over. And the last panel, he's on his back looking up saying, why, God? <laughs> and or, or, or the dating profiles. <laughs> the dating profiles, I got to say, honestly, got to be, I, I actually would just kind of skim over it and towards the end. And yeah, I think they could have been like more spaced out instead of like yeah, here's a chunk of There was way too points. many, way too many. And that's the one downside that I had with this. But, and then you have the obvious D&D strips. The fantasy adventure dungeons. Were brilliant. Just, there's no other word for it. They were freaking brilliant. Porcupine's not a very good DM. Well, he reminds me of someone. <laughs> But yeah, and and the 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 thing that I liked as well is that he wasn't afraid to take his time either with with the story because you have some strips that isolating them would mean nothing to anyone to, mm-hmm. to someone who hadn't been following the strip, I should say. And you you read it if you've been following the strip, especially for us who binged right through it. There's power even in those scenes, and they're needed to set up the the upcoming scenes. But it shows that, again, he wasn't afraid to take his time understanding that his readers are willing to follow along and actually enjoy that passage of time, which is, again, telling of a good 
a good storyteller because in a lot of cases, something like this, webcomics especially, every panel, every strip has to have that punch. Every It has to be self-contained and it can still be part of a story but be self-contained and all these other rules to keep getting people back. And he kind of threw that rule book away and I, I applaud him for that. Yeah, and that's what I go back to with like the pacing of this and those side stories were so important. Like, like I said, Fantasy Adventure Dungeons was was a nice, you know, mix up, uh, you know, comedic, comedic relief. But a lot of the other ones. The therapist. Had, yeah, the therapist. <laughs> yes. But but like the, the bird family. Yeah. Not all of those were funny. <laughs> like, yes, there was comedy mixed in as well. But I mean, that was. Some of those were might be a little difficult to read for some people because of the themes they touch yep. on. Well, the fox as well is trying to uncover the the mm-hmm. the, the crime family. Yeah, Luga kind of and the, the sissy skunk and her, her family of restaurateurs. There's so many different things there. Like it, it's all silly, and I love how the skunks have already always got their thumbs up because <laughs> opposable thumbs. <laughs> It's something that early on, like it's a funny little joke. And then as the story like continues on and like you look back at those older strips and it takes on a completely different meaning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the big one, of course, was Vivol and Moonbear. It was, was it 10 parts, 12 parts of just this side story of the backstory of this old bear that lives in a cave and his time in the circus and his escape and. Oh, I, each one individually was amazing. Like Vivol and Moonbear on its own could have been a successful comic. It was just a side story in this other one. Every single installation, like I was, I was really happy when they stopped doing the main stories. We could get another installment of this because it was. You're waiting for phenomenal. the death. Phenomenal. You're, you're basically waiting for the death that, because at yes. that point there's already been death. So, you know. This is not going to come out well for somebody. Yeah. Vivol is not a happy old bear. So. For a reason. Yeah. So I, I just look back and I, he stopped putting out uh, his strips in around 2014, which coincidentally was around the same time he started drawing Gotham Academy. Uh, he said he really wants to come back to it, but it's a matter of time. I mean, he gets paid, I'm sure, a heck of a lot more to draw oh, maps yeah. than he does to draw this. It's it's disappointing because it left off, it kind of left off at a point where it'd be an open ending and you can imagine what happened. So it's not like it ended that terribly bad. It's just that there was so much more. There was so much more we wanted to see and, and an actual resolution and not just an imagined one, but... What did he actually plan to be the resolution, not just what we can imagine it to be? So there were a lot of things that I still would love to see finished off, tied off. I have a feeling we never will, though. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. So the one just just is the one strip that made me laugh so hard. Again, going back to the D&D campaign, where he's got them in the the inn. <laughs> And the one the vole says, I woo the barmaid. And then the, <laughs> the what is it, a mouse or a rat says, I woo the barmaid more. <laughs> and says, as if 18 comeliness over here. <laughs> it's going, oh my God. All of the and you see the porcupine just holding his face. <laughs> that, yep. That that is that is emotion I know all too well. <laughs> but yeah, the 
it's worth reading, even knowing that it doesn't end entirely kind of thing. It's, it's so worth going through this. Yeah. Abominable.cc. It's well worth the afternoon that it'll take you to go through it. Oh, I challenge you not to read through it like in a few days, even like I did. I, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, well deserving of its reward. And, uh, it's cool to see somebody who's now a big name in the industry, kind of where he started from. Yeah. And immediately from the first strip, you could see he had talent and he was going to oh, go God, somewhere. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. And he did. Yeah, yeah. The, again, the storytelling is phenomenal. And and just as a last point again, because I've said this before, how people don't always realize how difficult humor is. And you can see here that he has the writing chops for dramatic things, um, even action and all kinds of things. But – the manner in which he inserts humor into the stories, not just the the ones that are point blank meant to be mm-hmm. funny, but some of the other ones where there's that slight humor that at least takes some of the edge off of the drama. Again, that takes a tremendous amount of skill. So it's not just that the man can draw. He's a damn good storyteller. Yeah. So again, go check it out. Well yeah. worth it. As for what else we've been reading this week, it was actually a really light week overall on comics, but uh, there were a couple that I thought to mention. The first is Weird World. I'm assuming you haven't even looked at this. No. I would say it's worth checking out. Like, it's absolutely bizarre. Like, it's pure uh, abstract fiction fantasy, like, absolutely ridiculous. No relation to the Marvel Universe whatsoever, with the exception of some possibly you know parallel characters but mike del mundo is doing the art on this and we've talked time and time again of you know the fantastic job he does on covers just what he does with the art in this series is amazingly gorgeous it's he takes that surreal aspect of this fantasy world and uses it and uses it very well of we are just as lost in the in this world as Archon the Barbarian is. So the story itself, eh, it, it's, it is what it is. It's worth it for the art, I would say. Cool. And then also Gotham by Midnight continues to be awesome, which is sad because apparently it's on DC's chopping block. Ah, damn it. But uh, if if they're going into what's going to be the series finale for this story – Holy crap. Uh, you know, when we started off, they were under the internal affairs investigation. So the last couple issues now, they're bringing uh, Corrigan and uh, what's her name? I forget her name off the top of my head. But basically, they're they're taking down the Midnight Squad and bringing them in for questioning. And things do not go well. There's a lot of really important stuff here for Jim and the Spectre. And a lot of really interesting character stuff that goes on. And if it is going to end, I'm really sad, but they're ending it on a heck of a ride. Cool. And that's all I got this week. Okay, well, let's talk about some spiders. Because Mm -hmm. we got the wrap-up of the uh, Renew Your Vows one, um, number five. Which was pretty much what I expected. Yes. Team all coming together, taking down Regent. Nobody dies. Mm. I was pretty much, I was a little disappointed because I know it's Amazing Spider-Man. It's not his kid's comic, (laughs) (laughs) but she was doing so well. 
and she's <laughs> holding her own. And then, of course, they got to put in the thing where he hears them and bursts out. And you're going, no, leave them in there. Let the mom and daughter take Regent down. Yeah, that's what I a- wanted Andy to and see. And MJ were were doing work. Damn right, they were doing good. So I was disappointed in that, and uh, and I think it could have turned out better had they let him be rescued by them. It would have made for a I damn mean, it's, good. It's an alternate story. universe. It's a what if? What harm in there? There would what have harm been. Is harm. there? Yeah, exactly. In letting Spider Man get rescued by his daughter, and it didn't happen. So that was disappointing. Also disappointing was Spider Verse. I mean, it ended basically just with the setup of the series. Mm-hmm. That was it, which is good. I mean, that's what we wanted. But the manner in which this was done, I really, I wasn't crazy about it. There there was really, I don't know. I just was not crazy about it. It, it, it never quite felt right at all. Like it had no. some cool moments, but it, it never felt like a fully thought out idea. And I hate the art. Oh my God. Oh, the art was nasty from beginning to end. And then there's um, um, Spider Island. Mm-hmm. That ended better. But, yes. I mean, not not spectacular, but it ended better. And it was a better way of doing the nobody dies thing that we're seeing all the time now. <laughs> Where it's like, <laughs> okay, well, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe, maybe she should die. But it, it, it was better handled. I, I liked it a lot better. Yeah, that, that that one was a lot of fun and great artwork. Too. Oh, God, the art in this is astounding. Just, oh, my God. It was just fantastic. Who did the art? Uh, Paco Diaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so. Uh, I mean, and nothing phenomenal in terms of especially what we've seen of Spider-Man stories as of late kind of thing. But it was it was it was good. It was definitely better in Spider-Verse, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Did you read the last uh, Star Wars? I did. Remind me what happened. Um, <laughs> Luke is on uh, Narshada. Narshada, With yes. the huts and Han is still having to deal with the wife. Yes. This is picking up because mm-hmm. like, again, we'd said before, it's definitely not the best comic, uh, Star Wars comics, but this is really picking up. And all too often in the comics, I mean, Luke is just not an interesting character. Let's be honest. He's just not the most interesting character. And... In here, though, with the, the all the stuff with the huts and all oh, the datacrons, yes, and, and the datacrons, and I'm going, oh, I collected those in the old republic. <laughs> <laughs> those are not easy this. to get. Yeah, this is freaking <laughs> awesome, and the fact that he's still a young Jedi or a new Jedi, however you want to look at it, so he's not all that powerful. So when you got the hut with these Jedi killers keeping them in check and, and whatnot, it's it's believable. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because all too often you get a Jedi story. The Jedi is a badass who can take the world down. And here it's, that's not the case at all. So while I enjoyed the fun of the Han and the wife and Leia portions of the story, it was actually the portions with Luke that surprised me that I really enjoyed more. Well, I'm now 100% ready for the Chewbacca rescue team. Oh, dude, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> And last one is The Last Injustice, mm-hmm. which is the first injustice probably in these four years that I kind of went, well, that wasn't good. There was really nothing much that happened. It turned into just a great big old Superman versus Darkseid fight, which, mm-hmm. God, we've seen that how many times already? And that was it. A few moments yeah other little moments here and there, but nothing 
really all that exciting or, 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 or good even like, I mean, there was a few moments at the beginning there with Harley, which she continues to be freaking awesome. <laughs> but then it quickly deviates into Superman versus dark side. And it was like, well, that was freaking boring. So I was a little disappointed with that one actually. So this, uh, now that you're caught up when I was talking about how there was a moment where everything clicked into me and it was when Batman whispered to him that Ares used the boom tube. And that's when it suddenly occurred to me that dark side was behind everything. Was I just really slow? No, I hadn't okay. seen that either. No. Again, that I, I found that disappointing as well. I, I, I really did. What I wanted to happen when I read that was I wanted it to be that written in such a way that Harley had gotten her hands on boom tube at some point And she was orchestrating all of this for revenge for the Joker being killed by Superman. And that's what I wanted to see at the end. That's a little far. It could happen. <laughs> Harley's a smart woman. All right. This is she's, true. She's devious. I, that's when, when I was reading it at the end, I was going, you know, just a few changes there and you could really make that work. And that would have been freaking brilliant in my opinion. So that's it for me. All right, then. This week's new release list is very, very short uh, with Marvel Secret Wars and its delays are really trimming down their weekly release list. This week, all I'm looking at is Captain America White number two, Ghost Racers number four, and Inferno number five. From DC, we have Batman and Green Lantern, both with annual number four, and Justice League and Superman, both with regular issue 44. From Image, we have Postal number seven and Stray Bullets Sunshine and Roses number eight. IDW brings us Ghostbusters Get Real number four, Godzilla in Hell number three, and Gem and the Holograms Outrageous Annual number one. And finally, from Valiant Comics, we have The Book of Death Fall of Harbinger. So it's such a small list out this week. This is always one of those weeks where I invite people to go out to the shop, check out something new, look at something you've never read before. You might be surprised. And we are always interested in your recommendations. Uh, you can email us, either Vince or Roger, at comicbookinformer.com. You can leave a comment on here on the episode, again, comicbookinformer.com, or you can tweet us at cbinformer. We love getting recommendations from people. We are always interested in checking out stuff we have missed. So if there's something that you're reading and we're not, let us know. We'd be happy to take a look at it and probably make fun of it because, let's be honest, if we're not reading it, there's a reason for that. I'm not arguing if that's what you're waiting for. (laughs) (laughs) So that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, Again, comicbookinformer.com, Twitter, at CBinformer. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go eat, Roger. Yes, I'm hungry. (laughs) All right, I'm going to let you go. Talk to you later, man. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.